Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I am Dave Matter, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com, Mizzou beat writer. And we are joined, as always, by Ben Fredrickson, Post-Dispatch sports columnist. Happy holidays. It is uh, a lot going on this week, not just uh, Christmas coming up at the end. In a few days, I think, we're recording this on Monday. I think Christmas is at the end of the week. Is that right, Ben? Um, I believe so, yeah, but we've got a lot of work to do before we get there. Today, we sure so. do. We sure do. Wednesdays <laughs> are really around buying Christmas presents at the last minute, I think. Uh, yeah, I hope everybody likes a, a bowl game souvenirs. Or uh, <laughs> uh, it is a, It's a really busy week on the Mizzou beat. It's so busy that they're trying to force us to be in two places at once, which is impossible. Uh, bowl game, Missouri plays Army in the Armed Forces Bowl on Wednesday night, right at the same time that Missouri and Illinois will be tipping off in the uh, Bragg and Rights game in St. Louis. A real, real shame. I, I have not uh, held back on how disappointing personally I think it is for me and just for everybody from Mizzou fans that want to watch both of these, that they have to be at the same time. Uh, it's not like there aren't other bowl games as we have figured out that that could have been available for Missouri, but um, that's, that's the reality. Ben, you will be in St. Louis for Bragg and Rights game. I will be in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, barring any, uh, travel snafus in the next few days uh, for the bowl game and uh, we're going to talk about both of those both of those matchups here on the podcast but then uh, first off what do you think about just the way that this week shapes up for these two programs for the for the university really there's also a women's game they play the bragging rights game Wednesday also against Illinois so a lot at stake here as we wind down 2021. Yeah big week for Mizzou and you know first of all it's 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 kind of a, it's interesting because it's disappointing, obviously, that these games are on the same night um, for all kinds of reasons. And, and I know people can insert joke here about the way the basketball team has played this year or insert joke here about, you know, a six and six team going to, to a bowl game. Although that's not even, that, that hasn't been rare for a long time. And now there are losing teams that go to bowl games, including this season. And that's just the state of, of bowl mania right now. There's so many that some of them aren't very good, but, it's disappointing that Missouri could not get a better handling from the SEC here in terms of which bowl game it played in, picking one that would not have put put the game on the same night as what is always a marquee basketball game, even with um, one of the teams really struggling so far this season. And Missouri, you know, had a little picked up a little steam headed into this Bragg and Rights game by by getting a pretty good win against against Utah. So it's it's a spot where Things should have been handled differently. Now, how do you make things handled differently, Dave? You you win more than six games. Uh, right. You you become a more attractive football team to a football conference and your ability to sell tickets and put people in seats. And you become a more attractive bowl participant than uh, mediocre LSU and mediocre Florida. Um, that's how you do it. Um, you know, being frustrated by it won't change anything. And one way you can help try to change things is to go get a win in the Armed Forces Bowl, get a winning season and uh, start to maybe give signs that that this is moving in the direction Eli Drinkwitz wants. That's the way it has to change. So you got to make the best out of a non-ideal scenario. That's really the only option. And and I guess we'll talk bowl game here first. You know, I know that that, that the Armed Forces Bowl is not going to be like number one on people's list of most intriguing bowl games. But after looking at some of the bowl games and, and, and what some of them offer, whether it's interim coaches or rosters that are already mostly thinned out by transfer and opt-outs um, or or one opponent that really looks like a pushover. I think it's a pretty compelling bowl game for Mizzou. I really do. 
Army presents a, a really tough test. Um, Missouri has a lot to play for. Haven't been to a bowl game in a while. Hasn't won a bowl game, Dave, even longer. Um, they should be motivated in this game. You know Army will be, and that might be the most interesting thing. Army is still mad about losing to Navy. This is going to be their, their second shot of the Super Bowl in their minds. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you've got a chance to finally have a winning record. It's been a while. Missouri's been sitting there at 500, it seems like, forever. I mean, the program as a whole is 500 over the last six seasons since Gary Pinkle stepped down. Barry Odom was fired with a 500 record. Eli Drinkwitz sits here at 11 and 11 as Missouri's head coach. So I, I don't really buy into the myth that what happens in your bowl game somehow, you know, sets an entire tone for your offseason because it's just one 13th of your games that you play. But when it's the difference between a losing record and a winning record, that it becomes part of your sales pitch. It becomes part of your identity of who you are. You know, when we sit around next June and July and try to forecast who's going to finish where, and those preseason predictions do have – they, they do have some influence over how we view teams at the beginning of the year. A, a team with a seven and six record is going to look a lot better than, than six and seven, uh, regardless who they beat, you know, to get there, especially in, in a bowl game that maybe not a lot of people will watch. So, um, and I think it's good too, you know, it, secondary kind of storyline is just sending out your seniors and your outgoing players on a, on a winning note, have them celebrate something that, that a tangible positive reward uh, but more than anything, I think it is just having that winning record, winning a bowl game for the first time since 2014. It hasn't happened in a really long time. That was actually the 2015 Citrus Bowl on January 1st, but the 2014 season. So it has been a while. And, um, you know, I, I think, too, like you were mentioning, what makes bowl games appealing. I, I always like a game with one of the service academies because we don't normally watch them or not necessarily that high on my radar unless it's Army-Navy. Uh, but I, I guess Missouri could sort of, they could uh, uh, embrace being the uh, the villain in this game because if you're playing the Armed Forces Bowl <laughs> and you're playing against Army, other than Mizzou fans and Navy fans, I don't know who will be rooting for the Tigers in this one. I think Army is the is the natural uh, natural good guy here, and it's a good Army team. And like you said, they they're not happy about the the way they played against Navy. I mean, Jeff Munkin had a uh, a Zoom last week. And he was still just really beat up over that loss. I mean, they take that thing more seriously than any outcome or any game Missouri plays. Uh, and they they were they were really down. Nothing they do Wednesday can erase losing to Navy, but I'm sure those players want to play another game and 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 try to move on from that loss and uh, in a, a different kind of tone than you know Missouri finishing its regular season with the loss to Arkansas. So uh, a lot on the line, and I do think it's a really We'll talk about the matchup. I, I think it's a good test for Steve Wilkes' defense to leave one kind of final impression on what we think of him and his defense. This is a guy that, and he flat out said it this week from down in Fort Worth on Zoom that, uh, hey, they're going to look at me and say, this is an NFL coordinator who hasn't been in college in 15 years. He hasn't seen a, a single triple option play in a really long time. <laughs> what could he possibly have cooked up uh, to defend army with. So it's, it's a test for him, no doubt. And he had all the right answers Monday talking about it, but talking about it, practicing it is so much different than actually going out and executing against the flex bone, the, the triple option stuff that they'll see. And to me, it's a, uh, it's, it's very much the, the Steve Wilkes bowl, right? Um, this Missouri defense started out 
horribly. They couldn't stop the yeah. run. We talked on and on about how they were the worst rushing defense in the nation. Um, you know, we we got to the point where we had to ask Eli Drinkwitz, like, what are you gonna what are you gonna do here? And he made a call. He he's changed his his defensive line coaches. Jethro Franklin, based off the way this defensive line has played after he was fired and Al Davis was promoted, um, Jethro Franklin should never get another job coaching football um, based off of that, based off of that before and after picture. And in in the defense started getting better. And we saw Wilkes kind of had this about face where there was that telling moment where he said, yeah, but we did against Tennessee. That wasn't me. I feel terrible about it. I'm, I, I, I'm good now. And we you know we knew there was going to be some, maybe some transition period when a guy comes back from the NFL, it took longer than you'd like, but it did seem like this defense found some footing. Now, didn't play so great against Arkansas, and maybe that's just Arkansas being a good team, um, but there, this is an opportunity to, I think, really secure the storyline of an improved defense entering the offseason. And maybe Eli has decided already that Wilkes is back for next year and, and he can't keep changing defensive coordinators. But, man, that decision to say there was some a rough patch, but we got it figured out and we're rolling now, that would be a lot easier to say if you come out and put a solid defensive performance up against Army, a team that all they want to do is run the ball. Um, all they, they don't care about passing. They have some of the fewest pass attempts in the, in the nation among teams. Um, they gotta, they're just going to try to make you make mistakes and take advantage of them on the ground. And you've been given weeks to prepare for this. I mean, Steve Wilkes right. has had a long time now. I know they haven't practiced maybe as much as anybody would have liked, including the coaches, but they've had, he's had weeks to prepare for this and he, to watch film, to study what Army is going to do. Army's not going to come out and go, surprise, we're now a shotgun, four, you know, vertical passing team. That's just not who they are. That's not the talent they have. And that's, they're not going to abandon their identity. They're going to try to basically tell Missouri what they're going to do and then go beat them at it. And if, if that works with this defense, then, then I think it's, I, I think it puts Drinkwitz in a really tough spot with, with Wilkes. He can't sell that story of a fixed defense if they get the, the ball ran over, ran all over them against, against army. So I think that's one of the most compelling storylines in this thing is, is it, it really is a pass or fail um, test for this defense. And it's going to put a big spotlight on Wilkes. Either he's got it figured out or, or he's in a, a shaky spot, no matter what comes this off season. And if it's really bad, like so bad, like it started the season bad day, then, then if you're Eli Drinkwitz, like, I don't know if you, if you start to think, do I need to look around? Can, can we, is this sustainable? I don't know where his head's at on that, but this would, I think, really help him feel either really good or really uncertain entering the off season, depending on how this goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'll be interested to see too, what army looks like. You know, I, the army Navy game was exactly the same time as the Mizzou Kansas basketball game. So I didn't watch it live and I, I finally got a chance to watch some of it. And, and I, I know this is true too. When army and Navy play each other, they tend to switch up their playbooks a little bit and they, cause they know that Navy knows them so well. So they're going to be a little unconventional sometimes army actually threw the ball a decent amount for them in the first half, got caught Navy um, by surprise a little bit and then didn't really run a whole lot of option. Now they ran the ball a lot, quarterback keepers, the fullback dive, they run a lot of end arounds, kind of jet sweep stuff, but not like true triple option plays. So maybe they go back to that more against Missouri because they know it's not Navy and Navy's ready for all of that. Uh, it'll, I, I think it'll be really interesting. And, and one thing talking to some of the Missouri offensive players this week, they absolutely know what's on the line for them 
because they're not going to get the ball very much. That's just what happens when you play Army. Uh, even if Missouri's defense plays pretty well, you know time of possession is probably not going to be on your side if you're Missouri. So you have to maximize those possessions. And the way that some of them were talking, and Barrett Bannister talked with reporters, a couple offensive linemen, basically said, hey, uh, this is a game where you have to come out being really aggressive. You can't just sit back and kind of feel the game out offensively. You've got to go for the throat early. And so I'll, I'll be interested to see if that's the play calling we see from Eli Drinkwood. So we don't know who's going to play quarterback. That's that's part of uh, the advantage to not opening up any bowl practices, which I can I, I can never remember that happening in 20 plus years of covering Missouri. They've always had some bowl practices open to the media, but that was not the case this year. Obviously, there's intrigue at quarterback. Is it going to be Brady Cook? Could it be Connor Bazelak? Um What's the situation with, with Tyler Beatty? Now, they said all along that he planned to play in the game. As of Monday, he was practicing with the team down in Fort Worth. Um, will he really play? We'll find out. I mean, the other two finalists for the Doak Walker Award, Brees Hall from Iowa State and Kenneth Walker from Michigan State, already announced they are not playing in their bowl games. Um, you know, Beatty at this point as a, you know, first, second team All-American, which he was on a couple of second team All-American teams. It wouldn't be a shocker if he doesn't play in this game. Uh, it would be unfortunate for Missouri, obviously, but we'll see. I mean, I, all bets are off when it comes to bowl games and who actually plays and how teams approach these things. So this is where be, that'll be interesting. This is where we put it, the disclaimer in the podcast that there could be a chance by the time you're listening to this that things yeah. have changed. I mean, we are to that point in the year where it feels like last year where one tweet pops up and all of a sudden a game is canceled. I mean, we saw it, it happen to Missouri last year. The reason Missouri has gone so long without playing in a bowl game in part was because they had one last year that got back because of right. COVID. So, um, you know, same goes for bragging rights, Dave. I mean, as of now, we have no reason to think that, that there's anything that will happen that messes with the schedule, but right. You say that as of now, I mean, for full disclosure, we're recording this, you know, Monday afternoon at, at 1.30 in the afternoon. So that's the world we're in now where things can just drastically change. So um, just uh, if, if you're listening to this and you're ripping us for not knowing something has happened yet, that's the timestamp on when this is uh, when this is being recorded. All right. So um, there's we'll so many better reasons to rip us. Yeah, we'll always have the latest news up at stlt.com. But but if the podcast is a bit behind, that, that's why. And it's never been harder um, than right now to, to get something up that you're sure is going to stand the test of time because things right. are, are changing rapidly across the sports world, pro, college, um, everything. So that's kind of where things stand for the football side of things, Dave. Bragging rights is, is, is interesting. Um, you know, I think if you would have asked you know, Missouri fans, certainly after the Kansas game, are they looking forward to bragging rights? They'd say, heck no. Um, and maybe they're still not. I mean, maybe they're not all that encouraged by Missouri's win against Utah, but not exactly on paper a dominant matchup for Illinois. They've they've had some they, they play better than Missouri. They're a better team right now. And it's yeah. not really that close. They're also they're eight and three, Missouri's six and five. Um, I was running the numbers on this. I think this is interesting based off the tones of the conversations around the coaches. Um, Brad Underwood at Illinois, 79 and 59. They were hired the same year, Brad Underwood and Conzo Martin. Underwood is 79 and 59 with one NCAA tournament. Missouri is, is 72 and 61 with two NCAA tournaments. And Conzo Martin, Dave, has the, has the 
advantage in bragging rights game three to one. He lost his first one. He's won the three since. And yet going into this game, the one where sometimes people say you throw all the records out, you know, you throw everything out. It's just about who wants it more that day. I think Missouri fans are probably going to watch this game, but also be prepared to, to lose and lose big. We'll see what happens, but does, what is the difference right now between, uh, between just the tones around the program of Missouri versus Illinois? Is it simply that, that this season has been so disappointing so far at times? Yeah, that's part of it. You know, Illinois season last year ended disappointingly because they lost so early in the NCAA tournament. They, they did win the big 10 and they were, uh, they, they lasted longer high in the rankings than Missouri did. And, you know, it, I think they've got star power, you know, they had it last year with IO, they have it now with Kofi Coburn and it, uh, they did seemingly with Andre Curbelo, but he's been out here for a while. And I don't know if we know exactly what plans are for him in, in this game. Um, Brad's probably recruited a little bit higher level than Conzo. I think that's fair to say. So I, I think that, I don't, I don't want to say their ceiling is higher as a program, but they've had. It is. High. It is higher as a program. Why can't we say that? Who? <laughs> Illinois? Illinois. Well, I just they, meant like overall without any, who, no matter who the coach is, anything yeah. like that. Um, I think, I think it is. I think it is because of the support they have. Oh, well, yeah, when there's you look that. At, when sure. you look at the way they fill their stadium and the amount of tickets they sell, those things factor into where, what expectations should be for, for a program. And I think that, you know, I think Illinois has a better track record of supporting its basketball team. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. I just meant as, as far as what we've seen here lately, um, I do think it's, it's been, it was higher last year. They just haven't quite met it. And I don't know. I, I, they're going to have more fans there Wednesday, no doubt, because <laughs> they're not playing in a bowl game that, that some of their fans will want to go see, but I think they probably would have, Anyway, just because this was expected to be a better team. And I think also too, part of this is it's it's more enjoyable and your 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 expectations are higher and there's more upside when you're a good offensive team. Now you can maybe give up a ton of points, but if you're a good offensive team and you have good offensive players, your games are more exciting, maybe more attractive. Um, now that doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win more because if you have a terrible defense, you know, you just get in these shootouts all the time but I, I think that's another place where this this Illinois team is in a higher standing right now and in a higher tier than Missouri because Missouri just struggles to score so badly and that that would be my concern about the Tigers Wednesday night and just how are you going to guard Kofi Coburn it's one thing if you have a Jeremiah Tillman and his five fouls out there but right now you know Jordan Wilmore is not getting off the bench he didn't play against Utah and Conzo gave a one-word answer for why he said production which was um, pretty, you know, that, that, that said it all right there. You didn't have to read between the lines. So you've got Ronnie DeGray and you've got Kobe Brown basically to guard him. And that's, that's, that's tough. That's a tough yeah. matchup because you need Kobe on the floor to do everything he does. You can't have him getting early fouls and sitting out. And DeGray is, is as good as he's been in stretches. He's not a guy that can go one-on-one -on -one against Kofi Coburn. It would be really nice if they could get a little more some minutes or at least let him eat up some fouls against yeah. uh, against big Kofi, but he's certainly in the doghouse for, for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> it sounds like, but something's not going right for, for Wilmore at practice. Kobe Brown has some things going right, Dave, and you hate to put more pressure on, on Kobe, but he's got to be, he's got to be an all sec caliber production guy oh, yeah. for them to have a chance, but he, he has shown some signs now of, 
maybe being able to be that guy? Is he starting to figure this out on a more consistent basis? Yeah, I think so. And it's fouls are the only thing that have really slowed him down. It's that he had two more in the first half against Utah and he had to go to the bench and watch at the end of that end of the first half, the last nine minutes, the difference was between that game and Kansas was Missouri didn't crumble without him. They, they basically played Utah even without Kobe. And then he came in the second half and just absolutely took over. I, I can't, we've seen Missouri players, prolific scores take over parts of games the last few years, even going back to like a Jordan Clarkson or a Jabari Brown, but to see a big guy do it. And he, he's a, He's a big guy who can play on the perimeter, but he's not taking threes anymore. I mean, he takes one every once in a while, but he's just doing it by bullying himself down to the paint has kind of a soft jumper down there, but he's getting to the foul line. He's doing everything that Conzo envisions him being capable of doing. And they had a really favorable matchup against Utah. It's easier said than done against a better team, but he showed he's capable of it. And I mean, it, he had, if he would have played in the first half, he ended with 27. I mean, he could have scored 40. There's, there's no doubt about it. So he is, he is their offense right now. But Amari Davis came off the bench for the first time all year and gave them 17 points and didn't, didn't seem to, wasn't bothered by the demotion at all. It didn't seem. Uh, so that's a positive. They got Boogie Coleman back. He's still kind of hit or miss, but he played a lot of minutes. He hit a big three that they really needed. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I, I don't think they have the firepower offensively to hang with Illinois, but we've seen we've seen average to bad Missouri teams hang with better on paper, more skilled uh, Illinois teams that end up having better seasons. So I, I it's a cliche, whatever, throughout the records, but usually can in this game because the equalizer can be that crowd. I don't think that's going to be in Missouri's favor on Wednesday, considering where this season has gone and the bowl game. Yeah, a three, three-year three winning streak on the line for the Tigers. And I think if uh, you and I were betting men, we'd probably probably put our chips on, on, on that coming to an end here. We'll see. That's why you play the games. As this conversation about the direction the basketball program continues to evolve, Dave, uh, it's worth looking at some of these guys, these young guys. It seems like Conzo at times in these games is putting in groups of these youngest guys together. Yeah. And, and they're doing some things that suggest that they might be starting to figure some things out. They might have a, uh, a brighter future than perhaps some suggest when they first start. Are you seeing enough signs there? What else do you need to see to say, hey, even if this is a rough and tumble year for the Tigers, they could be in a spot next year to be much more competitive? Yeah, you know, he seems to be giving them opportunities. You know, the other night against Utah, he started – uh, Trevin Brazil and he started Anton Brookshire gave them both their first career starts these are the freshman teammates high school teammates from Springfield Missouri now neither one of them scored in that game and eventually you know the veterans kind of took on bigger roles Coleman and Davis and DeGray but you know the fact that he was willing to start a game against a high major opponent with two freshmen in the lineup tells you something about what he sees in them now he said after the game it was about how they practice during the week it's like he's taking a page out of Eli Drinkwitz's uh, uh, strategy there on how to explain who's playing. So I, I believe them. There's no reason not to. But also we'd seen that the veterans were a little disappointing, not a little, very disappointing at Kansas. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's open to playing those guys more. Sean Durer-Gordon came. It didn't play a lot of minutes. But, man, when he gets in the game, he just attacks the rim as soon as he gets in there. And, uh, you know, worst-case scenario, he draws a foul, gets to the free-throw line. So I, I think we'll continue to see some of him. Uh, we didn't see a lot of Caleb Brown on when they went on the run so the veterans are still going to have to play a role in this if they're going to salvage this season if they're going to beat anybody 
um, that that's going to make anybody notice. It's a uh, it's it's a game where it is such a an event, and people plan for it. People plan their holiday around it. Um, whether their team's up or down, it's uh, usually the best versions of it are split halfway. Um, we're going to see how much it's affected the atmosphere by by Missouri's disappointing losses early on, but also this combating, competing football game. So we'll see what the what the atmosphere is like there, downtown St. Louis. I'll be there covering the game. I'm going to do my best Dave Matter impression on the game story. You will be um, in Texas covering the bowl game. Um, we'll have plenty of coverage up at stlt.com. Multiple uh, multiple stories coming out of the Bragging Rights game. So it's going to be a busy week on, on the Mizzou beat, Dave, and uh, we'll do our best to have it all covered as things hopefully don't change too much between now and the time we talk. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd be curious to see. I'll probably put a poll up on Twitter. What would Missouri fans rather see if they could only get one win out of the two games? What would they rather see a win in the bowl game over army or a win in, in bragging rights? If you, if you win the bragging rights game, that's a, that's a legit upset. And then you now that's not the end of non-conference play because you still have Iowa state and the big 12 sec classic, whatever we're calling that that's later in January, but you would go into conference play with a, a winning record. Um, does that mean anything? And we're talking about one game over 500 for both of these teams. If, if they win on, uh, they win Wednesday. So I, I don't know what would fans care about more to see. What would be more valuable? And we can answer this question. What would be more valuable to Mizzou? Probably a, a win in the football game, right? I mean, is it more valuable for Mizzou in a football conference to have a coach go, uh, you know, seven and six in his second year? With a, with a top 20 recruiting class. I mean, that seems like maybe more monetary value, more more prestige, something Eli could could sell a little bit better versus an upset win. I mean, that would make that would make the Tigers, what, four years in a row beating Illinois. There's there's certainly bragging rights in that, but right. uh, maybe it doesn't go as far. I, I would guess that if that if Desiree Reed Francois was asked to that decision, she would not want to declare her answer publicly, but I, I bet she'd take the football win, Dave. Yeah, because, you know, if we if we measure coaches, like if, if we have a coach whose body of work is like four years long and we're trying to figure out like a Barry Odom or Derek Mason at Vanderbilt a few years ago, you don't really get credit for going to a bowl when you still finish with a losing season. Because it, when you say, what did this coach do in this season? Well, they were six and seven. Well, they went to a bowl. Yeah, but so what? They had a losing record. So it almost uh, it almost knocks out the fact that you went to a bowl and you end with a, 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 a loss in the bowl and it gives you a losing record that's just nothing you like you said there's nothing you can brag about there I give bowl of bowl wins some credit I give bowl appearances not not a lot and right. that's because appearances now I mean my god have you seen what they're doing with Hawaii like Hawaii is somehow I don't know how they played 13 games they're six and seven and, and but because they're bowl eligible, they created a bowl for them. They, there was a bowl that went off the grid, the San Francisco Bowl. They were like, we're not doing it this year. And they're like, they, the bowl committee brings it back, plays it in Hawaii under some other name now. And now and now Hawaii is a is a bowl team against a 500 Memphis team. So a bowl appearance has never meant less. Right. It is like, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's like one of these uh, cryptocurrencies that never gets any traction. Like the currency of a bowl is nothing. It's zilch. Right. I think the smart approach is what Gary Pinkle used to do. You would use the bowl game to your advantage. If, if you won, you would talk about it. You would, you would build it up. If you lost, you pretend it never happened. 
like just pretend it didn't happen. It's just like basically an exhibition. Bowl in 06. Like internally, yeah, you get your team motivated coming off of a loss, but publicly, no, you don't. You don't acknowledge bowl losses. Right, and and if you're Dan Mullen, you just try to take that approach with like the second half of your season. Right? <laughs> right. Like once we knew, once we knew we weren't playing for a national championship, can you even can you even judge us on the rest of it? Like, oh, that's that's taking well, it to to a whole nother. Level. Florida's bowl loss last year to Oklahoma didn't count because all the players opted out, so he just said oh, it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's a, that's just a great college sports lesson in general. You sell, you maximize the wins, and you find ways to dismiss. The, the losses. Dave, good stuff, man. Travel safe. Keep it locked, everybody, at stltoday.com for the latest on Mizzou, and uh, we'll have you covered, whether it's in Texas or downtown St. Louis. Um, you can follow Dave, of course, on Twitter at Dave underscore matter. I'm at Ben underscore Fred, and have a good week, and Merry Christmas, too, everybody. Uh, thanks for following the podcast and all the coverage.